from the Three Story Method Podcast Network. This is the Serial Fiction Show. I'm Christine Daigle. And I'm J.P. Reinbush. Welcome to the Reader's Serial Fiction Show. Today, we've got a rock star romance by K.B. Lee called Wicked Riffs. Rock gods aren't made, they're born. That's a lie. They're launched into the universe like shooting stars. At Wicked Riffs, rockers dream big and love hard while they claw their way to the top. Harlow fell for boys who can't stop sampling groupies. Jax wants Harlow to sing his songs and warm his bed. Lobo's Harlow's friend, but he'd like to be more. This love triangle spins like classic vinyl. Men fall for the rocker and wake up with the small town girl. Up is down in the cutthroat music business. A California native, KB Lee is an animation story editor and writer turned contemporary romance author. When she isn't writing, she's exploring her state, traveling, looking for the best eats, she's a major foodie, and spending time with her family. And now, a sample of Wicked Riffs, episode one. Harla lifted a tray of beers from the bar at Wicked Riffs. Record producers, agents, and musicians of all types flock to the joint every weekend to hear the latest from the city's up-and-coming bands. The nights were electric. The customers drunk, high, or both thought they owned the club. Harlow was lucky to have a server job after losing her gig. Or at least that's what her rocker friends claimed. Every group in the area wanted a shot on the stage and would do almost anything to get it. Harlow was only willing to serve drinks. Her vocals would speak for her, period. She wound through the crowd toward a party of men at a table near the front. Killer Crew's guitarist was showing off as the lead singer danced. He was no jagger. Harlow frowned. She needed a break. Another solo moment, and she'd silence the chatty, unimpressed crowd. Your beers, she set a bottle in front of a man when someone ran their hand over her ass. Harlow wasn't known for thinking before reacting, and whirled around, ramming her elbow into the side of the handsy customer's head. What the hell? He bolted to his feet and grabbed her bicep. I'm not on the menu. She tugged her arm, but his grip tightened. He yanked her to him and bent at the waist so his mouth was near her ear. You'll be whatever I want you to be. His hot beer breath made her cringe. Take your hands off me, she said through gritted teeth. Now... You'll never make it in the biz, bitch. No one makes it alone. Harlow shoved the tray into his chest, beer sloshing down his designer shirt, glasses crashing to the floor. The band stopped playing. The crowd quieted. The lighting crew moved the spotlights from the stage to Harlow and Trey Holly, owner of the largest music group in town. Boy wiggled into his ass-hugging leather pants as he conjured Harlow naked and spread out on his bed before their breakup. He hardened instantly and groused as he forced the zipper up and fastened the hook at the top. World-class boner, dude, his drummer fly laughed. Harlow in the house? Harlow's yesterday's ride. Bowie smoothed his hand over his six-pack and across his red and gold dragon tattooed chest. All this doesn't need Harlow to rise to the occasion. Bowie flicked his nipple ring, knowing it was thoughts of her that caused his cock to crow. There was no denying that woman was hellfire in bed. He'd learned quickly not to play with fire when there were so many other willing women. Why deal with the drama called Harlow? He didn't need that shit. He was on the road to rock godhood. There was no reason to be tied down. Her voice is sublime. Background singers are a dime a dozen. Stacy stepped in and no one noticed Harlow was gone. They noticed. 
Stacy's good, but she fades into the background. Fly tapped his drumsticks along the wall. Yes, where she belongs. Background stingers stay in the back. Harlow, Harlow's legs alone still the show. That ass? Fly wiggled his eyebrows. Touch her and I'll shove those sticks down your throat. Oh yeah, Harlow's yesterday's ride. Fly snorted. Honey like her attracts. You can't threaten everyone. She was wrong for us. Boy smoothed his long brown hair and tied a black bandana around his forehead. We aren't pop. We're rock. Real rock. Not this bullshit passing for it on the charts. The last great bands to come out of L.A. were decades ago. Stealth's going to change that. The dressing room door flew open, and their guitarist popped his head inside, a joint hanging from his lips. Harlow just clocked Trey, Holly! Harlow struggled against the owner's grip as he escorted her out the back. Sorry, babe. I like you. You're the best thing that's walked into my club in years. But you can't go around dumping drinks on every guy who wants to touch your ass. They're all jacked up. Half so loaded they don't know what they're doing. He knew what he was doing. I'm not screwing my way to the top. He has the ability to keep you from making it in the music world. Talent rises. I've seen megastars crushed under the pressure of Trey's music group. He closed the door behind them. Is he a jerk? Sure, but that jerk pulls the strings of half those climbing the top 100 charts. You must tone it down. Guys can be asses. True. Your ex should have taught you that. Bowie's a serial cheater, and he didn't go around groping women. He didn't have to. The club owner raked his fingers through his thick salt and pepper hair. Girls throw themselves at him. That they did, Harlow drew in a deep breath. You deserve better than both. In this world, it's going to be hard to find. Hey, Christine. Hey, JP. Let's talk about pro Ride-A-Gade. Are you okay. ready? I am ready. Okay, cool. So there is this thing. Uh, it's one of like the more common things of improving style and strength with your writing. And I find this to be like the most useful because when I am both first drafting and even like after the second or third, like sometimes I'm not as, I'm not going to say confident in my writing, but I'm a blabbermouth. I blabber a lot. Uh, and so I will say things like someone managed to do something or like I will add in these like weird little filler things when yeah. really let's say, you know, it's managed to complete. It just needs to be completed. Yeah. Um, and it's really nice having an AI tool point this out and being like, hey, JP, maybe you could not do what you're doing. <laughs> and I would be like, you are right. That would be a great idea. Um, and so I love this AI tool. It's fantastic. It's pointed it out so many times that at this point, um, I like will think that in my head. Yeah. I'll be like, they managed to do something or like they're going to do something. And I'm like, no, they're doing it right now. So just stop with the whole like, preamble and let's just get that one word that we really want to write down. Yeah. Um, so it's been improving my writing and I enjoy that. Yeah. I, it, I use the same um, filter. It, you know, it's, it's become into like intuitive now, I guess I catch it myself and mm -hmm. I've got to began to, or started to, or even, or all those words that you don't need. And I'm like, yeah. And it makes your <sighs> writing so much stronger when you're not trying to help it with all these little <laughs> filler words. So yeah, I totally recommend that that tool, that report, it's phenomenal. Yeah. It's, it's strange going through it uh, and correcting it and then reading it and like seeing the confidence that you had in your head, but you didn't have when you were writing it. Um, and it's almost like uh, removing those pieces 
make it stronger in the text. And it's not your voice, really. It doesn't really alter your voice. It doesn't change it too much. Um, it, it's clearing it up and making it more concise, uh, yep. which I enjoy. Exactly. So, Be straightforward with your writing. Mm-hmm. Do that. Uh, and if you need the help, why don't you check out ProWritingAid.com. Serial uh, 20, S-E-R-I-A-L 20 to get 20% off. Do it. Do it. So, Christine. So, JP. We have another sponsor. We do. Yes. So, this one is Later Press. And they are a platform that helps authors build their sort of independence, if you think about it. So, basically, it's a competitor to Kindle Vela and to all of these other serials. But it's an up-and-coming uh, experience that I'm really excited to talk about. Yeah. It's pretty cool. You can put whole books there. You can put serial fiction there and you can sell directly to your readers through your own branded website. You can get a cool link mm -hmm. and everything. I know. And it's pretty cool. I was looking at it earlier and like you can sell it as if it's a whole book. You can sell it uh, you know, chapter by chapter, which is basically what Kindle Vela is doing. Or uh, you can almost have a subscription model where you know you bring people on on a monthly, yearly basis, and kind of like Patreon, which I know that a lot of authors are successful there. But the really cool part uh, looking into this later press is that it has so much more control given back to the author, which a lot of these other platforms don't. So... I mean, for readers and for authors, this seems like a really cool new technology. And I'm all about that kind of like new platform, the kind of competitor, and at least heading over there and seeing what it looks like. Yeah. And it, it looks really indie friendly. I mean, the stories are web native, so you can read them anywhere that there's internet access. You don't need a specific device or app. Um, yeah. And the authors have control over their pricing. So you can charge, you know, what you feel is fair. And later press doesn't charge you up front. So they only make money if you do and they take 5%. So that's, you know, yep. that's not bad. You know, if you look at Vela, they take 50%. So there you go. Yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty low stakes in that aspect. And since, you know, you're charging your readers, it's just something that, you know, authors are able to kind of come over here without that sort of concern or worry. It's, it's something they can try out and then, you know, decide then whether or not they want to stick with it. And they have currently a uh, contest going on, which is pretty sweet. So we are announcing this for before Friday, April 15th, which is the deadline at 11.59 Eastern. But it is a $10,000 genre fiction contest. So no entry fee. It is open to anyone 18 and above in US, Canada, and Singapore. And there will be four $10,000 awards. Uh, two for ongoing serials and then two for completed books. So you can see right there again, Later Press is doing that thing where we can see full books being posted here as well as serials. So they're offering this myriad of different types of books. Yeah. And previously published material is okay to enter the contest. So that's awesome. So if you're published on Vela or another uh, serial platform that allows you to publish elsewhere, you can still enter the contest. So check it out. Later Press. Laterpress.com. The link is in the show notes. See you later, press. So your cereal starts with a server hauling drinks out to record producers, agents, and musicians. What inspired you to write this music-filled cereal? Well, my inspiration struck immediately, but I've been listening to uh, young people on YouTube. 
doing reactions to older music. And I was pretty shocked that they didn't know, even people from 20 years ago. I was like, oh, it's crazy. They don't even know who these, and they're like in their 20s. And I'm like going, okay, what would be a great story for a younger group of people where I can slip in a lot of my uh, music references and, and uh, give them a fun story that's wrapped around uh, the club scene in Hollywood, which I patterned off uh, my memories of the club scenes in Hollywood and uh, just thought that would be a fun story for a young crowd to get into and, and hoped for the best when I did it and crossed my fingers and just went with it. That's excellent. So were you watching these... Um... I watched that one that uh, twins the new trend that Fred and Tim, is that one of the ones you were watching or I'm curious who you're you know, watching? I have, I've seen them, but I actually enjoy several groups, but I watch, um, there's a Asian Jai that I watch. And then anytime I get in the mood to write a Wicked Rift segment, I'm not in the mood mentally, I'll turn these guys on and That's I'll start excellent. watching them. But I think there's like Asian Jai and there's, um, bro action but I have seen those twins uh too but yeah that's basically where I started with the story I was watching them and getting a kick out of these people I'm like how could you not know I mean how could you not even know Whitney Houston was you know I'm like so that's where it came from Yeah, yeah so which character are you excited for readers to read about and why I love all of the four main characters a lot. Uh, I really have to say Harlow only because I always write the woman the way I would like young women to be in there. And I don't always see those kinds of reactions from younger women, even though those are the women that have been the most empowered and the most told that they can, and they're, not acting like that. And I'm like, so I always try and write very strong women. So I really like Harlow for that reason. But the most fun to write, of course, is Bowie. <laughs> Bowie, you know, he's he's a heck of a lot of fun. And uh, I just like him all for different reasons. I really like even Lobo because he represents, you know, the good character. It's just, I just like to have a nice dynamic between the four and I like them all. It's hard to pick one. I know who everybody hates. Haha. <laughs> yes. Trey. <laughs> I'm just waiting for Trey to die. That's all that I would <laughs> like. in the <this> cereal. <laughs> Unfortunately, there are a lot of trays in <laughs> the industry. Of course, in my, in the business that I've worked in and everything. So he's a, he's, he's a little over the top, but I do enjoy writing him too. Cause I just know everybody's going to hate him. He is a great billion. <laughs> yeah. He's a nice contrast to Harlow, you know, standing up for herself and not um, falling into that trap. So it's really great. Um, what's one thing in this story that you'd like listeners to know or to be excited about? I think I'd like them to get excited about music as a whole. And I try and put shout outs to a lot of different types of music in there. And I like to present a variety. I just think maybe it's my age, but I think that the uh, music today is very limited. And there are a few people out there that I really like, but it's a little too much stagey. And I wanted to bring people back to take a peek at these people. You know, if I'm shouting out somebody, maybe you'll, 
go, who's that? Oh, maybe I want to go check it out on YouTube and go, oh, wait, that really is a good artist or this is, so I really like that using, being able to use that through this. I also want uh, readers to read it and get a grittier side of the dream, not the, I'm on American Idol and I'm made it to the top in five seconds, but the real hardship that these people in the clubs do uh, when they're working these clubs every weekend and trying to get a foot in the door. So I wanted to bring that perspective in it, not just the rock star, you know, where he's already, you know, famous. So that was basically it. So this serial does a lot of shout outs. Uh, you know, you have a character named Bowie, a band member named Fly, which I suspect is a shout out to Flea. Uh, so I know that you have this love for music that's a little bit in the past, and I'm curious what uh, what are these musics, these songs that uh, inspire you? Like, if you could give us a top five soundtrack, I would say they're going to be all women. Uh, my top artists, in of course, is going to go back, like you said. If I'm going in my mind, is going to be uh, Heart, Stevie Nicks. Linda Ronstadt as a whole general of a, probably one of the top vocalists of a generation. I mean, you're starting to get a few people nowadays are, are going in that have that kind of a voice, but are they going to be the kind of artists that she was able to do? And um, let me see who else. I mean, I'm an 80s rocker person. So I would go, I like, for rock, I like Van Halen, Bon Jovi. I like uh, even older Led Zeppelin. I, you know, I listen to all sorts. It's kind of like my reading. I'm all over the place. I pick and choose what I like. I don't like everything every band does, but I just see music as so much of a bigger thing than what I'm hearing today with all the auto tune and the. Uh, <laughs> that's why. So, um, five, with you. <laughs> I gave you three, didn't I? I gave you a couple of guys, but the guys that, um, were on the Hollywood scene in the eighties were Axel, were, um, uh, Guns and Roses, which I love too. And so they were all on the uh, LA scene. So I kind of use a lot of referencing into those people. And you're right. I, I do, do even in the naming of the characters, Actually, I, Harlow's characters, if you've read the whole things, were named after movie. Her and her brothers and mm. sister all made, named after movie stars' last names. So, but I don't know. I'm glad you pick it up because I'm not sure what people are picking up or not picking up as I'm weaving little details and the and just the details about Hollywood. I mean, there's such a fantasy about Hollywood, and I've lived here my entire life, so. The, the glitz of Hollywood is so. Pretty. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. And I like, um, you know, how you did the Linda Ronstadt comparison to Harlow. I think, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of her in that. And I'm with you on that auto tune. That's an automatic skip for me. A song, as soon as there's <laughs> auto tune in a song, it's like skip. Even if I like that band, it's skip. It's in yeah. their song. Um, so I am curious though. So you live in Hollywood and you're talking about this grit have you like seen some of this in the music industry? Some of this, do you have like an insider's perspective on it or where does well, that? Well, let's see. I actually live in LA. I don't live in Hollywood, but I grew up near Hollywood. I grew up in um, 
a town called Atwater, which is now a village because it's gotten gentrified, but it's right on the border of Los Feliz and Hollywood. So yeah, I would go into Hollywood as a kid. Uh, the music scene, I actually, my career has been in animation. So my dealings with entertainment and the entertainment business and the networks have been mostly through television. But when I was very young and just starting to try and get into the entertainment business, I did, um, before I initially got my first job, I was temping at Capitol Records. And then I temp, you know, right there in Hollywood, the iconic building. And when they, and then I um, went into on-air promotion at like NBC. And then I went into the studios, uh, working production actually. And then started writing because I just saw the scripts and said, I could do this and started doing it. <laughs> and so that's kind of my perspective. So no, there's no specific, uh, and my own experience of just going to the clubs in Hollywood, but no, uh, I'm not in the music business. And um, uh, I used to work also actually in high school, I worked at Universal and we would work the amphitheater parties. So I did get a little look at the back uh, end of parties, which was, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you're 16 and you're going, whoa, all this. So I would do that too. So I, I got some take on that, but that's, I think I mostly just do it from ex my experiences, my imagination, and what I know of the entertainment business as a whole and just different experiences over the years could be kind of put things in. So this Vela is a romance and I'm curious, what is your favorite romance trope? I don't, I can't say I like them all. I actually have to say more so the ones that I don't like. I like in my romance books that I write under my other name, I've done second chances. I always like second chances. Um, I've done the office romance i've done the friends friends to lovers enemies to lovers uh and uh i did a jilted bride on my last one i just picked one for this one it's kind of several and it's obviously i'm not i'm not writing it as a true romance i'm writing it i write it like it's a television show you know so mm -hmm. um and i'm i'm starting with uh you've got for you've got there's gonna be forgiveness i mean there are more like themes in this than a trope i mean you have the rock rock and roll romance was the trope i picked because i knew readers would go rock and roll romance oh okay yeah but there's a lot of others uh themes going through it and there's gonna be second chances there's you I mean you can weave a lot of different tropes into this if i take it as long as i do and i'm not planning i know a lot of people have seasons and are ending their stories and it's a complete romance that has been done i think of this more like a tv show it's kind of for me since i've written scripts i've written novels and now this first time i've done serials i think of this as a hybrid between the script and a novel so for me it's the closest thing to writing television scripts. So I just think of it as a whole. I started the show. I knew who my characters were. I knew who they were going to be. And I know what they will or will not do as a character. And then I know what the ending is. And I am just going along. So 
those are the trope, but the tropes, I would say rock and roll and second chance here, friends to lovers. I mean, you got Harlow and, and Jack's were basically friends. I, you know, I'd started with Lobo, but it kind of went off into Jax's world. I think that's a smart way to approach it, like a TV script. So uh, you said you live in California and your serial takes place in LA and there's yeah. some travel in your serial. Yeah. I'm just curious what locations inspired you and how does where you live and travel influence uh, your writing? It influences it a lot. Um, this, yeah, I live in LA. I'm, I can get to Hollywood in 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Uh, and I like there's I like California I'm a third generation Californian I didn't move out there's so many transplants and I just want to show with each work I do even in my other novels I highlight I always pick a place first with my stories everybody goes would you start with like I start with setting and I don't know if that's because I started writing scripts before I started writing things but I always pick a place. And with my books, I travel to those places and I make sure I'm accurate on what I'm doing. And I try and stay very accurate on Wicked Rifts too. Um, when I mention, I won't mention uh, usually places, but when I mention it, the market on whatever and whatever, that market's there or something's happening. But it, I think it plays a lot. I mean, I, I, Maybe because I'm from here, but I'm very comfortable with California, with the California scene, the difference between NorCal and SoCal. And I just want to bring realism to California stories because a lot of the time I feel like they're so dreamy because people have so many dreams <laughs> of being in California. And it is, I had another novel I read, Why Does California Inspire Such Foolishness in People? <laughs> And then you know why, because I'm looking out my window and it's gorgeous. I can see all the way to, even though I'm up in LA, I can see on a clear day, the ocean shining at the horizon. And it's, you know, it's 68 degrees. It's March. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. People get excited, and then, but they get excited about this world of entertainment. And there's just oh, a lot of hard, hard, hard road to get in there. So. so I'm curious, have you had any audience feedback or participation with the story? That's been the most difficult thing. I would have had a little feedback. I've had feedback from you, Christine. From me just sliding into the DMs <laughs> and being like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. <laughs> I had feedback last week where another author told me she just wanted to shoot Trey. You told me you hated Trey, and I said, I good, I'm doing you. my job. Yeah. And then, <laughs> but mostly other authors uh i have to say my newer story i have gotten feedback from people i don't know on instagram so that one for some reason people and i would like feedback because i do this all by myself i sit down i write it i do a quick edit and it goes up i don't give it to anybody else there's no beta readers there's no nothing not even Nobody reads it but me, and it goes out. So, yeah, I would. I wish there was a way to do – I thought there was going to be a way to do more feedback with people. That was kind of why I – well, I tried this because another author friend of mine sent me the email and said, you'd probably be great for this. And I'm like, 
no. And I threw the email away. She gave it to me in March. I'm like, no, I'm not going to involve this. I'm trying to write a cozy right now. You know, I've got two books done. I'm not going to get involved in this. And then in July came and I was sitting there and I'm like, the email came back. And I'm like, okay. And right before they went live with it, I wrote the first five episodes and just threw them up. But then I was surprised. There isn't, I thought serials, because before I did it, I, I'm, I also looked into serials and how they're formatted and how, worldwide you know and i expected it, it to be more like that which on bella so far i have to say a lot more of it is people breaking down novels and i have novels i could break down but i didn't i just i wanted to really do it in the serial format and hoping when they go worldwide the serial format will be more popular than the book format being put into a serial format but we'll see yeah. who knows if they ever get there yeah, I think that's pretty smart, though. And yeah, I think we all expected more <laughs> interactive <laughs> feedback, but that, it is what yeah, it is. Do you get a lot of feedback? Uh, occasionally, but it's like through social media, someone will message me something. But yeah, there's not a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. I was hoping for more, as, you know, because then you get a, you kind of get a, a drift of where you're going. But I've been writing for a long time. So I, 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 feel like and then I, I don't want to have the epic fail at one time but I feel like I know instinctively where to go with the story so yeah. I can I can pull this off but we'll see yeah so, so yeah I'm curious if there's anything either in this serial or uh, the new serial or future works that you haven't explored yet that you're planning to or want to yeah you know Vela for me was a place to experiment and that's why I got a pen name and said, let me just do this as an experiment. And I don't know. Um, one of the guys, oh gosh, he always uses a fake name. So I can't remember his name right now, but he um, was like, you're always experimenting. You're like a scientist. I go, well, because to me, this is a business and I want to know what works and what doesn't work. So uh, it was an experiment. This, the romance I start off with a, a dystopian one, which I still have. And I don't know if I'm going to put it up. Uh, a, a modern Western dystopian, though, but it's taking you know place. And I have the cover. My son makes me the covers, and um, and I have the story, but I just haven't done it because I don't believe I can keep up with it and everything else I have to do in a day. So the other story just popped into my head, um, and it's totally different than Wicked Rifts. I don't know if you've got a chance to read Stroke of Midnight, but it's more of a free it's a different style of writing so i'm using bella more to just test different styles and how many styles can i i don't know do just for the fun of it i don't want to i'm always somebody who likes to do something different so that style is totally different it's much more in the narration it's much more narrative but i'm hoping to keep it close to the characters, but you've got that narrator popping and you're breaking the wall and talking to the audience every once in a while. I did that once in Wiccan Riffs on about the guitarist where I just said, man, if you don't know who this is, just go out and look at, you know, go out and check it out. You know, don't, don't tell me you like rock and roll if you don't know who this person is. <laughs> so breaking the wall with people and just trying different things. And it's, it's very experimental for me. Uh, and, uh, so that was, ex maybe I will do this dystopian one, but I'm also am trying to get enough time in to write those novels. And I also edit and I also, so I, I edit, 
on the side. I format for people on the side. I am a, I do dialogue because people have a really difficult time writing dialogue. So I do a lot of uh, dialogue work. So I don't know if I, since I plan on these just going, the other one I plan on being more uh, compact. So once the Cinderella story is done, then I would go to another student's uh, fractured fairy tale, which might be something different. That's the way I thought of that one. So there would be complete stories in it where this one, I think of it as a TV show slash soap opera that's going to just go until I have nothing else to say. And then I will cap it off. And who knows? And I could break that later into something else if I wanted, but um, maybe I'll throw up that Western, but I, it takes a lot to time to do these. And I know people, I always hear people, you know, like I wrote, I wrote 5,000 words last night in a big, huge sprint. And I never do sprints. I never have been that kind of person. I just, so I'm like, uh, I can't join the sprint club and I can't join this because I just write, like you said, I just go in. I know Wicked Riffs is going to come in at 2,000, most of 21 at the most, 2,000 words or less. And it's coming in at that. And it's just, it's going to be in five scenes. There's going to be in three scenes and I'm going to sit down. I'm going to write it. And I do my, my notes. Those aren't fake. <laughs> the one that I put up on the screen, I do a little note. This is for today's episode. I got to write when we're done because I'm behind because of other things. But I just do it and put it up. So I don't know if I have time to do another one. I'd like to. You guys uh, doing more, but you write with partners. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that makes it, it easier. True. It is true. I, I think it I think definitely so. adds more pressure. But yeah, I'm wrapping up. Um, the second one, because it's too much, right? And when you're doing novels and those kind of things, it's too much to keep it all <laughs> juggling in the air. So yeah, we're going to s- just do one. Yeah, the novels yeah. have sat over here right now because the with the Cozy series I'm working on, I wanted to have five books done before I published them. And with the um, coastal romances that I do, I want to go. And with COVID and being in California, we were really shut down. So mm-hmm. there wasn't much to do of anything in the last year. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not in the mood for that. But um, I got out for Wicked Rifts, went to Arizona, did that for the fun <laughs> of it. But I love Arizona. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with us. Okay. You too. Thanks. Thank you. Our thanks today to KB Lee for letting us share their episode. We want to thank you for listening to the Reader Serial Fiction Show. If you know someone who might enjoy the show, send them your favorite episode link. And if you want to leave an Apple podcast review, we read all of them and use your suggestions. You can also leave a comment on the episode on our website, SerialFictionShow.com. We'd love to hear from you. And finally, we have a Patreon where you can get Serial Fiction Show episodes early. We also have tons of other things in the works. So check us out at Patreon.com slash Serial Fiction Show. Thanks, and we'll see you next time with another Serial Fiction episode. And And that's that's a wrap.
I'm surprised you kept it together, JP, about the uh, LA thing because I was like, I was going to come in. JP just came back from LA. Yeah, I was just in Montebello. Oh, that's outside of LA, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I went in, I don't know. Don't, you didn't, no, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I know Montebello. Where and you were? Did you go into LA? I mean, yeah, LA is. I went, huge. Uh, Let's put it this way: LA is super huge. So yeah, I went to. I really was there for like only a couple hours. I went to Chinatown, oh. walked to Olvera oh, went to Street, downtown, Olvera Street. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and then I um. I hope you the got last the last bookstore. Oh yeah, not great. That's yeah, great. it was really cool. And then uh, I just checked out Central Library for the uh, architecture. Oh. You did, I hope you didn't go. I, I cannot go up in that building. I've been in too many earthquakes. Uh, I look at that building. And I have it been in none. Me out. You have been in none. <laughs> I have my first one at six years old. But um, no, that's the last bookstore. Last bookstore is great. Um, mm-hmm. And um, Alvera Street. <laughs> yeah. Chinatown. It's not like San Francisco. San Francisco yeah. Chinatown is much nicer. But yeah, no, LA is. So what do you think of it? Was it nasty it was cool. of, or was it okay? It, it was, just, it was okay. I think that there's, uh, I came in expecting the facade to be worse than reality, if that makes sense. And it was just kind of in the middle. Like, you know, I, I kind of knew to expect that it wasn't going to be like grandiose and it wasn't, but it wasn't terrible. It was just, <laughs> it was a city and it was JP's fine. review of LA. It wasn't terrible. I was in commerce oh. in 2020. <laughs> you are not hitting the good spots of LA. Well, <laughs> I had to go. These are places for work. Uh, so that's the one reason. But uh, yeah, and some uh, some of the coworkers there, they took me to some sketchy taco truck. It was like in a weird uh, road in the middle of nowhere, but it was so good. Uh, <laughs> so worth it. Yeah, taco trucks by the uh, by the hundreds in LA. And not, yep. not to mention... The people on the street with the barbecues there making the tacos yep. for you with their homemade taco. Well, yeah, there's a taco truck romance in uh, Wicked Riffs, isn't there? This is Lobo. Oh, yeah, Lobo with a taco Lobo. truck. Yeah, Lobo, <laughs> yeah, Lobo's uncle has a taco truck. Uh, I am a major fan of taco. Yeah, I mean, I like to, I like to do, uh, always have uh, uh, Mexican culture in somehow Mm. someone is because I'm half Mexican and I like to put that in. So, but my book, if uh, one book Pacific blue, the heroine is uh, Mexican American and it is all on the Southern California experience, the Mexican culture and the Southern California experience. And it, it's, I just like to always put that in because it's a major part of the uh, culture here. 